witness right there. Whoa, everybody say amen, amen. Uh, thank uh, Brother Tony for allowing us to be able to share his his gift and singing. Uh, he gave us permission to use that video to stand. That is an important message for the people of God to remember in times like these that we do have to stand despite what is going on, despite the uncertainty that we stand. And so as we go to the throne of grace, Father God, we come to you this morning giving you all the praise, honor, and glory that is due you. We thank you, God, that we are alive to see another day. We thank you that even in the midst of this uncertainty, you are still the sovereign God. We thank you because you are God alone. We thank you because our hope can be in nothing less than you, God. You are the one true living, created, and creating God. We, we, we look to you in times of trouble. We look to you in times of storm. Father God, we have seen so many things that have gone on. We have seen so many people who are suffering. We have received text messages and phone calls and emails about people who are dealing with all manner of illness, sickness, and disease. And we, we lift up those right now in the name of Jesus that they may find peace and healing. We lift up the family members that are struggling to deal with the, the hurt and the pain of loss, the hurt and the pain of people who are sick. Even revealed to me yesterday that our youngest member, the newest member of our church, not even a month old, is in the hospital. So we lift up uh, uh, baby Aubrey and Jasmine and, and Justin that they live their lives still believing and trusting in you and that uh, uh, baby Aubrey will receive complete restoration. We are living in a time now that parents can go to a hospital, if they're lucky to go, can only go one at a time to be with the child. One parent today, tomorrow the next parent. Uh, we, we pray for those children who are by themselves, that are in strange environments. They, they, they are surrounded by people they do not know. God, we ask that you send your holy angels to surround them and protect them, to keep them from those who might seek to, to pray upon our young people, to pray upon the children when the parents are not around. We, we pray for this nation, God, as we, we see fascism coming and just becoming a regular part of life here. That people are turning a blind eye, that hate has blinded them so badly that they can't even believe to see the mistreatment being done towards people your people. Lord, we ask that you just make your presence known, that you shine your light on this dark world, that your light will shine through us, your people, that we will begin to see our own errors of our ways, that we begin to let go of the unforgiveness and the hate that we harbor, that we might be able to see your light and be a light to those who are still walking in the darkness. God, we ask for your peace to be with us all during this time. We ask that you continue to extend grace to us through all this time to keep us covered and protected, that no harm will come to us during this time. Lord, bring peace into the homes, that families that are stuck together will coexist peacefully in love, that families will be able to emerge from this intact and whole. We pray for peace in this church, peace in this city, peace in this state, peace in this world. Help us, God, to endure what is going on so that we may continue to grow, 
may continue to learn and may continue to be your people. We ask these blessings in all things in your son Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everybody, and welcome uh, again to Road to Damascus. I am, uh, as usual, very happy to be in uh, the house of God. Uh, somebody told me uh, a couple of weeks ago, I uh, said, well, you're not in the house of God. And I said, well, that depends on your perspective, because the word says where two or three are gathered in my name, there I will be in the midst of them. So my wife is in this house with me. That makes two and Jesus makes three. So this is the house of the Lord. And I'm thankful to be in the presence of God and his Holy Spirit again on a Sunday morning. As always, since we're not in a physical building because of COVID-19, but that does not change the fact that we still have a mission and a direction from the Lord God to to build and grow his community. And so God, I mean, for the, and so people, we are asking uh, that you sow into our ministry. Uh, I know I told you last week that we would have the GiveLify availability available this week, but they have not finished their portion. We did everything we're supposed to. They're still going through the part, so it's still not available this week, but we still got the, the plain old old school way, mailing a check. Uh, you can find the, our post office box address on our website, www.r2dchurch.org. Click the Give tab, and it'll have our address there where you can mail it. It's post office box 1382 in Norwalk, California. Uh, or you can click the PayPal button, or you can go directly to PayPal and look for Road to Damascus Church. And always remember, the two is the number two, not T-O, not T-O-O. Not even TWO, but the actual digit to Road to Damascus Church, and you could donate there, or you can go through Cash App, which is the dollar sign R2D Church. Any and all gifts are appreciated uh, because you know our goal for next year we gave away $5,000 in scholarships to graduating seniors this year. Next year, the goal is to give away $20,000 in scholarships. Yes. $20,000 in scholarships from my little, 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 not my, our little bitty church uh, located in Gardena, California. So let the Lord move you as you will. I want you to remember that God, God's created everything you see. He breathed it into existence. Remember when his people were caught up in slavery? He rescued them. What he did was he parted the sea. And he made a way for them. And then he delivered their enemies to them. And he unlocks wounds. And he provides water from a rock. And he provides manna from heaven. And he brought down the walls of Jericho. He froze the sun, allowing victory. He's toppled giants with tiny stones. He's brought fire from heaven. He's shut the mouths of lions. He preserved life in the belly of a well. He's fed thousands with a few loaves. He gives the weak strength. He heals the sick. He's made the blind see, the deaf ear, the mute speak, the lame walk. And he's overcome evil. And he's made a way through death for you and me by the death and the resurrection of 
is flawless. He controls everything. And he loves you. Amen. It is so wonderful to remember that we do serve a sovereign God who loves us. And it does cause us to ask the question, what are we afraid of when we go through this life? What are we really afraid of when we serve the sovereign God? Why, why do we even doubt anything when we serve the sovereign God? Uh, why do we question anything when we serve the sovereign God? Uh, this morning we go to the text in the New Testament. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the Colossian church, the church at Colossae, and he is dealing with some issues that he needs to straighten out with the church that was founded there uh, because it is in the middle of a region of the country, of the world, that we're practicing some uh, unique things. We'll, we'll talk more about that as we progress. Uh, but we find these words is in the very first chapter of Colossians, verse 15 through 17. This is from the New King James Version. He says, He's speaking of Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and all things and in him all things consist. Uh, those words that Paul has written speak to the dominion of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and his Father, uh, God, Yahweh, Jehovah, Elohim. It, he, he says that Jesus was the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over all creation. But he, he just takes it even further. He says, for by him, all things were created and that all in heaven and that on earth, visible and invisible, don't matter whether you see it or not, whether it's thrones, dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him, all things. And so this morning we want to use for a theme, the certainty of sovereignty. The certainty of sovereignty. I, I was actually struggling with uh, what I was going to preach about uh, today. Uh, been all week, usually up through the week, my practice is to begin to study, uh, pray to God about what direction we're going to go. And even up until yesterday, yesterday morning, I had no idea what we were going to discuss until we had a prayer call within my fraternity. We have some, some brothers in the fraternity that are going some, through some stuff, and uh, we got together as a brotherhood uh, to pray for each other, to pray for the brothers, to pray for their families, and to, to, to pray to, for each other, to encourage and to lift up and to stand in the gap for those who do not possess the faith or the willingness or ability to pray. And uh, one of the brothers, before he started to pray, was talk, talk, brought up that word, the certainty of a sovereign God. And it just weighed on me all day until I started to work on what it means to, to have the certainty of the sovereignty of God. 
Uh, let's see, when we talk about sovereign and we understand in the definition, it, it tells of a sovereign that you have a supreme power. Uh, that when you're sovereign, you're free from external control or controlling influence. Some of the words that, that uh, uh, speak to or are synonyms of sovereign or jurisdiction, uh, you have dominion, you have control when you are sovereign. Um, you know, and the problem for human beings is that we seek to have control over our own lives. We, we somehow believe that we control what happens to us. We control our destinies. And, and it's not just our human nature that tells us this or our desire to be in control. There have been people who have written books because they knew that they could make a fast buck trying to tell you that even though you are a child of God, that you somehow have control over your life. See, if there is a certainty of sovereignty of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, if there is a certainty of sovereignty of our Father in heaven, then you do not have control. But yet we have had people who have written books to try to control, to tell you that you have control over your life and your future and your destiny. Uh, uh, titles of some books that I looked up is what the first one was called, Control Your Destiny, right off the bat, telling you, I'm going to give you the steps on how to control your destiny. Then you have another book, Awaken the Giant Within. Uh, then there is a book, and it, and it just ironically, an individual who I detest, actually, uh, when he was being questioned about faith, uh, that people love him because he supposedly has faith. Uh, he mentioned the guy who wrote this book, Vincent Norman Peale, and he wrote this book, The, Pos the Power of Positive Thinking. And we know that there are certain things we want to remain optimistic about. But see, having positive thinking is not going to control or shape your destiny or your future. And then, of course, the book and film that I just absolutely detest, The Secret. Now, you know, the, the, the secret. I'm, I'm going to give you a secret about The Secret a little bit later. But these books were written, and many more, written by people who are trying to tell you that you actually have power to control your destiny when in fact the only power you possess is the power through the Holy Spirit. You do not have control over your own life. You do not control what happens. Your life is not your own. And if, the, if your life is not your own, how do you think you're going to control the outcome? You were bought with a price. The blood that was shed was the paid for the debt. You were redeemed by Christ. And yet you actually believe you have the power and control to change your destiny? So here's the thing that these books have in common. There's this one thing that you are sovereign. You are sovereign. That's, that's what these books will tell you. And, and, and here's the thing. We all want to be sovereign, but we all want to be blessed by God. And I remember this, uh, uh, something I'd heard from somebody loosely said that everybody wants Jesus as a savior, but very few want Jesus as Lord. That we want all the good stuff that comes from being part of Jesus' family, but we don't want anybody to tell us what to do. You know, kind of like when we were kids, right? You know, the, you, were, you were not sovereign in your home with your parents, 
and you couldn't wait to get out of your parents' house because now you were going to be sovereign. You were the one that was going to be in control of your life. They can't tell me what time to come in from uh, when I want to stay out all night. They can't do this. They can't do that. And so you get out there believing you have control over your life only to realize I had it really good at home. I should have let the people who have the control and have the power continue to keep me in this place. Uh, see, they, they, they tell you uh, to one of the things in the secret, they tell you, is, you know, you have to create a vision board. And while I was uh, researching a little bit and studying about these vision boards, I, I found a quote with one person said, they work like magic. Right away, if you are looking to create a, ma a vision board and you see someone telling you they work like magic, then you need to run away from it as quickly as you would run away from sin because magic does not exist. But he says it works like magic. But here's the thing. I got caught up in the secret years ago when it first came out and I created a vision board. I told you all about that. I, I put up my little board on the wall and I put a picture of this big old house and I put a picture of that, that Porsche 911 target top with the whale tail, Porsche alloy wheels, red with black interior. I'm very specific about the car that I wanted. Put this up there as well as the copy of a check and I went through the, the painstaking detail of recreating a check complete with the micro numbers across the bottom, printed exactly how it would look, put that up on the board for a hundred million dollars. I don't have a Porsche. I don't have that big house that I wanted. And I certainly don't have that $10 million or $100 million uh, check was never given to me. Because say, if you watch the video, one of the dudes was saying, see, have you ever thought about how when you envision there's traffic and then there's traffic when you get out on the road? And say, see, that's because you are focused on that. That's what you sent out into the universe and the universe gave you what you were focusing on. No, fool. You left your house at 8 o'clock in the morning in Los Angeles and there's traffic. Not because you envision traffic, because we got a, millions of people living here going to work. But the true, true practitioners of the vision board said that what I was doing was wrong. That what I was supposed to do and what you're supposed to do is that we are not supposed to create vision boards with material things. It is supposed to be about how we feel about things. So if, if I want to envision myself in this big, beautiful home, I'm supposed to put on my vision board the things that make me feel good about having this vision board. And, and he's saying that is the frequency that you send out to the universe. Uh, and so keep in mind, maybe now I don't want the house that I wanted when I first did a vision board all those years ago. But something that I would like to envision, I'm going to ask all of you to participate with me on this, all right? My vision right now, the feeling that I'm going to project into the universe, the frequency that I'm going to vibrate on is not that I want to be uh, slim and trim down from where I currently, I'm not going to tell you how much I weigh, but get down to 195, completely cut up and ripped. I want that feeling. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, but see, here's the thing. If the image that I see in the mirror <laughs> ain't telling me to get in shape, putting in a vision board ain't going to make it happen either.
So here's the secret of the secret they don't want to tell you. You still got to work, homie. You cannot sit here and manifest some change in your life because you put the feelings on a piece of paper and you look at the feelings every day. I can go from now for the next 10 years looking at a vision board and, and talk about the feelings I have by being uh, smaller, being uh, losing weight, uh, being muscular and in shape. But you cannot get to that place until number one, I stop eating bluebell ice cream, and number two, get my butt up and walk and do some exercising. How you think you're gonna visualize yourself graduating from medical school if you haven't even gone to college? And once you get to college, you still got to work because you gotta pass your chemistry, physics, math, anatomy, then take a test to get into medical school. You know, they, they said this, this technique works, that the professional athletes have been doing this for years. What about those professional athletes that um, thought they were gonna win gold medals in 2020? What, what about that young girl that visualized herself standing on the podium finally beating Simone Biles in the Olympics and taking the gold? That visualization sure did work. Bang, that was, you are in control of that. See, there, were, there was a poem written uh, by Robert Burns in the 1700s, and they had this, uh, this saying that we say a lot. It's a little different, but this is the way he wrote it. The best laid schemes of mice and men go often askew and leave us nothing but grief and pain for promised joy. The best laid schemes of mice and men. We've heard the best laid plans of mice and men, but he said his words were the best laid schemes of mice and men go often askew and leave us nothing but grief and pain and promised joy. The you you sit here with your vision board, that was promised joy. But in the end you will have nothing but grief and pain because the fulfillment your lack of control, your, your lack of sovereignty over your life will not allow you to achieve this without actually doing the work. Uh, see, Louis Pasteur, a famous scientist, he created pasteurization, said chance favors the prepared mind. And the reason why he said chance favors the prepared mind, it falls into this. Life often goes askew. But Solomon wrote about it in Ecclesiastes 9.11. He said, I returned and I saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to men of understanding, nor favor to men of skill, but time and chance happen to them all. Is that we have plans. We have visions on things. How many people had a plan to start a business in 2020? Remember New Year's Eve and y'all went out and even if you didn't go out on New Year's Eve, you sat there like me, watched Dick Clark's uh, New Year's Rockin' Eve and you're thinking about what 2020 was going to hold, the promise of the new year. And look at us. Time and chance happened to them all. There are some people who went ahead and started businesses, not because they had it on a vision board, but because they planned properly. Chance favors the prepared mind. If you are prepared, if you have done the work, you can be that in a position that when time and chance happens, you can benefit from it. 
but it's not because you were sending out vibrations into the universe. It was because you prepared and did the work. You don't have control. You don't have dominion. When time and chance happens, you have to deal with it. You are either going to adapt or as uh, Clint Eastwood said in one of my favorite films, you, you improvise, you adapt, you overcome or you succumb to the time and chance. But either way it goes, it ain't up to you. And see, when I dropped out of college originally, I envisioned myself as a college graduate. And I planned on graduating from college. But that graduation from college didn't come until I actually sacrificed going to school, working at night, going to school during the day, taking care of my kids, going to football practice, going to cheerleading practice, spending a late, late night studying to make sure that I can pass the test to take the next class. It was only after that I put in the work and the determination and decided this is what I'm going to do to put myself in the best position was the reason why I was able to get the degree. Not because the universe did it for me, but because I put in the work. Time and chance happened and I was at the right time and took advantage of the chance. That's the secret to the secret. You work your butt off. The, the power of positive thinking is not just believing you can do it, it's actually do it. That's why Nike's uh, slogan is just do it. You will not accomplish what you want to accomplish unless you do it. And you have to work to get to that place. So here we are in this, in this, this uh, letter of Paul. He, he's writing to the church at Colossae. It's, uh, it's in what we would call Asia Minor, uh, modern day uh, Turkey is where Colossae was. Uh, and he's writing to encourage the church. He, he sees them and he's re, uh, trying to encourage them first to remain faithful to the faith and not merge beliefs, uh, other beliefs into this religion. And see, in, in Colossae, they were a, a mix. This is Asia Minor. This is Turkey. There's a lot of stuff going on. This is a major uh, a city and a lot of things were happening. And what he found is that people were there blending different things from different faiths. Uh, they, they treated it like Burger King. I like a little bit of this Christianity. I like a little bit of this uh, paganism. I like a little bit, bit of this Greek God stuff. And I like a little bit of this Eastern, uh, ancient Eastern wisdom. And they're blending it together. The same kind of stuff we see happening today. As a matter of fact, all these books that I've listed are all the same type of situation. They are blending all types of philosophies and trying to cloak it cover it with Christianity to package you something new. And Paul is writing against, you see, one of the things that people do, I had to look this up before we started, uh, you know, one of the big things that is going on right now, uh, what we call uh, Christian folks engaging in yoga. You know, they say yoga is good for you, it's, it's exercise. Well, you know, this is yoga, uh, let me read this, Yoga stems from the Vedas, the Indian holy texts that were composed around 1900 BC. Holy texts. So we're talking about something that is a faith, it is a religion, it is not a just simply an exercise, it is a faith. Uh, besides yoga, three major religions came from those texts. Hinduism, Jainism, and Buddhism. 
Four religions have emerged from those texts. One of them we call yoga. And you have Christians who are practicing yoga. Even to the point where they are going around calling it Christian yoga. You're taking something, packaging it with a little Christianity around the side and giving it to people. And this is what Paul <coughs> is writing to the people to, to warn them to stay away from doing things of that nature. He says you have to walk worthy of the call of Christ. And then he's also reminding us that there is the sovereignty of the Godhead. And he reminds us of the sovereignty of God because he says all things were created through him, for him. All things, not just some things, thank you baby, all things were created uh, through him, for him. He is the one that is sovereign. He is the one that's in control. He is it. Not you, not me. Not blending in these other philosophies, just Jesus alone, Jesus by himself, nothing else but Jesus Christ. How did that song go? My faith is built on nothing less but Jesus' blood and righteousness. Then you go turn around and be in the downward dog pose. Come on, y'all. Somebody work with me here this morning. Here's what we need to know about the sovereignty of God, what it means to be sovereign. See, when you are sovereign, you are never taken by surprise. Right? See, if you, when you start talking about being surprised, you, there's an element of uncertainty. God is never uncertain. Uh, David wrote in Psalm 139, 16 through 17, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they are all written. The days fashioned for me, when as yet they were none, when as yet there were, there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. God is not surprised by your, what's going on with our lives right now. He knew when he set this thing up from the beginning that in the year 2020, we would have an imbecile running this country and that we would be subject to a worldwide pandemic because of our inaction. And he says, you saw my substance being yet unformed before I was born. You saw the substance of my life and in your book. My entire life was written before and the days hadn't even been formed yet, but you knew before. See, sometimes we go through life and we figure out, well, we, we stumbled. How did this happen? Or we fall into a pit, but you just didn't even know that that rock was put in place. That hole was put right where it was supposed to be to get you where you are right now. The substance yet being unformed and in the book, this was written before it even happened. He is not surprised that you are in the position that you're in right now. He is not surprised that you might be disappointed in your life right now. Nor is he surprised that you have achieved everything you have set out to achieve. His thoughts of us were already there. And you know he already told us in Jeremiah 20, 29, 11 that he knew the thoughts he has towards us, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not evil to give you a future and a hope. And you're wondering, if he wanted to give me a future and a hope, why did he put this hole in the road that I'm walking down? Because he put it there because he knew you needed it to get you where you were. 
As he, Romans 8.28 says, and we know that all things work together. See, remember, the people keep forgetting this or try to dismiss it. He said, and we know that all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord, those called according to his purpose. So you might have stumbled on that pebble. You might have fallen into that pit, but all things are working together to get you where you are supposed to be. You needed to be in that pit to remember you have to rely on God to get you out. You had to stub your toe on that rock because you had to remember to trust God in spite of the circumstances. Sometimes the only way you can get to a place of faith is finding yourself in a place of helplessness. When you've been so full of pride, believing that you are somehow in control of this thing, that somehow you could have prevented an action, when the plan was already laid out. You don't have dominion. You don't have power. You are not sovereign from God. But not only is God not surprised, God is in control. The prophet Isaiah wrote in 43, chapter 43, verse 1, he says, But now, thus says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, and who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Remember that video at the beginning? He said, what are you afraid of? Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. Mine. Jesus said, I went to the cross for y'all. I let them beat me, put a crown of thorns on my head. I had my hands pierced and I stayed there shedding blood to redeem you to my father. You don't have nothing to worry about if I will allow myself to be subject to ridicule and beating and death at the hands of evil men. I will go to the lengths of this universe to save you. He says, I have redeemed you. You are mine. He is in control. You ain't sovereign. You are not controlling your destiny. There is no secret. There is Jesus. In Proverbs 19, 21, he says, there are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that will stand. Your little plans that you had for your life. I remember when I was in college, before I started college, my plan was to graduate. I wanted to go to USC. I wanted to graduate from USC. I wanted to go to USC Dental School. I wanted to practice in a year or take an additional year to become an oral surgeon. Then I was getting married, I was going to have two kids, and I was going to buy that red Porsche 911 with the target top whale tail and Porsche alloys, black interior. Those were the plans of Ron's heart. But if I had trusted in God, believed in God, turned to God, he would have had a different plan for me. He had a different plan for me. His plan was the one that stand. When he called me when I was 13 years old and I spent all these years running from him, 
my plan did not happen, but his stood. He chased after me and brought me back into the fold, not the desires of my heart, not my destiny. I couldn't control where I ended up coming, becoming. I had to stop running from God and do what God had called me to do. So our Lord God is never surprised. Our Lord God is always in control. And here's another thing we know about God, why he is sovereign. Nothing or no one can stand with our God. Go back to Isaiah in Isaiah 44, 6 through 7. Isaiah is talking to the people and he says, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me there is no God. And who can proclaim as I do? Then let him declare it and set it in order for me. Since I appointed the ancient people and the things that are coming and shall come, let them show these to them. He is challenging all the false doctrines, all the idols, all the things that we have lifted up above him to say, if they have so much power, bring them here. Come to me. He's calling them out. He's calling you out with your false idols, your false doctrine, your secret book, your power positive thinking, controlling your destiny. He is saying, bring them to me and let them declare and set it in order for me because I was the one that appointed everything this place to be. I was the one that was there in the beginning that was hovering over the face of the waters. I was the one that said, let there be light. If you know somebody or you got some God you're following, somebody you're believing in that's supposed to have the power of God, bring them before God. They cannot stand in his presence. He goes on further in Isaiah 41, 21 and verse uh, verse 21, Isaiah 41, verse 21 and verses 23 through 24. He says, present your case, says the Lord. Bring forth your strong reason, says the king of Jacob. Come on, come on. Give, give me the best you got to show me what you what you're made of. He says, show the things that are to come hereafter that we may know that you are God's. Yes. Do good or do evil that we may be dismayed and see it together. Indeed, you are nothing and your work is nothing. He who chooses you is an abomination. That ain't me saying this is Isaiah writing the words of the Lord God in heaven. Y'all think your, your, your philosophy is so good. You, all, you think your gods are so great. Your idols got some power. Present your case. Let's, let's take this to court. This is not the people's court. This is God's court. Bring this to the court and present your case. Show me the strong reasons. He says, show me the things that are here to come in the hereafter. If you can't tell me what's coming, you didn't create nothing. He said, do good or do evil so that we can all see that you have that. And then he says further, you are nothing and your work is nothing. But this is the part that I love. This, this is the part that messes Christian folk up. He who chooses you is an abomination. You know that word abomination we like to throw around about people that do things that we don't particularly like? 
he, he says, if you are doing blending this stuff and trying to wrap it inside a Christianity wrapper, you are an abomination. You sit around, you get a book instead of reading the book I gave you and you are believing that this book has the answers to your future, you are an abomination. You don't need, churches actually have vision board meetings. Vision board Wednesday with first lady. Indeed, you are nothing. Your work is nothing. Because I, I challenge folks who I know believe in this. What did you achieve from the vision board? What vibration did you send out into the universe? You know, the frequency you're vibrating at that came back to you. That the universe provided you. But here's the caveat. That you did not work for. So you could tell me that you put this vision board up. But when you've been working hard behind the scenes to make your dream come true, that, that's not the vision board. The, the, the secret was the work you did beforehand. But here's the thing. He says, you are nothing. Your work is nothing. And if you choose them, you are an abomination. This is God speaking. Because there is no God, no philosophy, no doctrine, no doctrine, let me repeat that again, no doctrine that can stand before the Almighty. None. I'm about to wrap up here. I want to go back to Psalm 139. When I, I read that, this scripture is important because David is writing this to God. He says, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed and in your book they are they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. God's sovereignty exists whether you want it to exist or not. God's sovereignty is in place whether you achieve the life you wanted or not. God's sovereignty is in place whether you got everything you wanted He's still sovereign. But we as individuals love to compare our lives to other people. We like to look at what other people have done and question whether we have achieved or lived up to their potential or why are they not with us. Here's the thing. David understood when he wrote this. He said, and in your book, they all were written, the days fashioned for me. Each person has a road that they have to travel down. The days fashioned for me are not the days for you. When I arrive to where God wants me is not the same destined, same time that God wants you there. He has laid out a separate path for you. There's a separate path for me. There is a separate path for my mother and father, a separate path for my children, a separate path for all of us. They are fashioned for each one of us. Some of us have more pits on our road. Some of us have fewer. Some of us have some mighty walls that we have to climb. 
but the days were fashioned for you. So where you are right now is where you're supposed to be. Do not be dismayed that someone is ahead of you, that people have achieved more than you in a shorter amount of time. Your role in life is where you're supposed to be. The days were fashioned for you. God is in control and our dissatisfaction with our lives causes us to look to other things. We will read all these other books and we will hail these people as some modern day uh, uh, prophets when God said they are abomination. You don't need to go out and buy any other book except this one. You read this book, you will understand what the secret is in your life. You will understand what it means to have joy. You will understand what it means to have peace. You will see the person who is in control, who has dominion, who is sovereign. And it ain't you. There is a certainty of sovereignty. And it is not ours. It is with God. He is the sovereign Lord. He is the one that is in control. He has dominion. He has jurisdiction. He has power. He has control. Not you. No author, no book, no idol, no doctrine can change the certainty of God's sovereignty. So Lord God, we thank you and we praise you and we lift your name on high. We give you all the praise that is due your name. Lord God, Thank you for reminding us that you are the one true and sovereign God. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your son. Thank you for accepting us even when we have turned our backs on you. Thank you for being our God despite the circumstances, despite our unwillingness, despite our inability to completely trust you. You have remained faithful. Thank you, Lord for loving us when we wouldn't love you in return. Thank you for being our God. Thank you for redeeming us. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, y'all, that's it for today. I, I, I want to give you a little bit of a heads up that uh, this is the last Sunday I'm preaching until September for the month of August, I will be taking a sabbatical, and it 